Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking quite a bit about sharing our faith about the impact that you and I as just ordinary people can have in the lives of others through sharing with them what God has done in our life. I remember a few weeks ago I I shared with you the power of your testimony, that the power of the story of what Jesus has done in your life has the potential to unlock faith for him to do the same in somebody else's life. If Jesus did it for you, that means he can do it for somebody else. That's why we have the Bible. There is a record of what Jesus has done. And the whole purpose is to point us to the fact that He is the Messiah. He is the all-powerful one. And that which He did, He can and will do again. And He does do, continue to do today. There's a scripture in the book of Revelation which says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now that's a big statement. Prophecy means it is foretelling that which is possible. It is creating a picture of a different reality, a supernatural reality, a reality in which God comes into the midst of my situation and brings about change. Last week, Craig spoke to us about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit. I know he was rushed towards the end and didn't finish perhaps all that he wanted to say. But he broke down the various gifts into the gifts of utterance and the gifts of power and the gifts of revelation. Thank you, Craig. I just had one right there as you spoke. But Craig made something very, he made a very interesting statement. And I think so much, I think his, his whole entire message, when he covered things, he spoke about tithing, he spoke about coming to church, he spoke about um, the way we, we, we submit to spiritual authority. He spoke about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but there was one thread that went through his entire message, and that was the principle that enlightenment follows submission. In other words, when it comes to spiritual things, understanding comes through obedience. As we obey the Word of God, even if we don't always understand it, God has a way of making things come alive and shifting our hearts to have an understanding. But very often, it's in hindsight that we see the wisdom of God. Because the wisdom of God is in so many ways contrary to the wisdom of this world. Amen? It is different. It's an upside-down kingdom, many people say. And so what that means is we very seldom recognize the wisdom of God up front. We need to begin walking in it. We need to walk in obedience. And I believe that in our spiritual family, there is an expectation that is growing. There is a call and a sense in our hearts to deeper levels of intimacy with God and greater levels thereby of experience of His power and of His presence in us and among us. I know that on our Monday night prayer meetings, there is such a wonderful flow of the presence of God. Our expectation is building. We are waiting for the manifestation of God's suddenlies. Do you know that the Bible is full of suddenlies? When suddenly God appeared, and they were all with one accord in one place, and they were all praying, when suddenly there came a sound of a rushing mighty wind. 
And the Spirit of the Lord descended upon them and rested upon each one. And they were all spoke other languages and as dividing tongues of fire. There was a suddenly that happened. And I'm believing for many suddenlies. And what I want to share with you this morning is really just a call. It is a call to get into the flow. I just have a short message this morning, and we're actually going to do some practical things towards that today. That's why I said this is going to be a service with a difference. One of the scriptures I want to read to you this morning, it comes from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47. Ezekiel was a prophet, and this is probably one of his most well-known prophecies, his well-known visions that he had. I mean, we all know Ezekiel 37 because of the Valley of the Dry Bones, uh, which is a great prophecy as well. We could, we could spend time there this morning. But today I've chosen number Ezekiel 47. And the vision that Ezekiel had, and it says this from verse 1, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar, He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east, and there was water running out on the right side. So we have this picture of this water coming out from the temple, from the throne room of God. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. He brought me through the waters, say, through the waters. Not to the waters, through the waters. And the water came up to my ankles. And he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters. And the water came up to my knees. Again he measured 1,000 and brought me through. The water came up to my waist. And again 1,000 and it was a river that I could not cross for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim a river that could not be crossed. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me back to the bank of the river. This prophetic vision that God gave Ezekiel is a call, it's a description, it's a picture of what life in the Spirit is like. You see, the day you and I got born again, we received the deposit of the Spirit of God within us. Amen? But how many of you know that there is a greater experience that God longs for us to, to walk in? There is a greater measure of the Spirit than just what we received. Yes, we received the fullness of God, but our experience, our ability to flow with that needs to grow as we go through the waters into greater depths. It's a call to go deeper in our, in our experience of faith and to press into life in the Holy Spirit until we get to the point where we are no longer standing on what is terra firma, on what is comfortable, on what is safe. On what, on, we are no longer in the place where we feel like we are in control and we've got a handle on things. We've become so yielded that we flow with Him completely, that we go where He calls us to go, that we are able to receive that which He desires to impart to us. But for me, the culmination of this vision is very important. The last verse says two things. Number one, son of man, have you seen this? What is it that you've seen? Can you see that there are greater levels? 
than what you are experiencing? Can you see that maybe, praise God, you're not ankle deep anymore. You're not a babe in Christ anymore. Maybe you're knee deep. Maybe you're waist deep. But can you see that there is more? Have you seen this? Have you seen that there is a progression that comes from going through the waters? Can you see that there's a progress to this? That I don't just plop you up here and pop you in in the deep end. I don't know about you, but when I was a child, I went for swimming lessons. And the teacher's idea of swimming lessons was great. Nice to have you threw me into the deep end. I never went back. Maybe it worked on some kids, but not on this one. Snort and trana, I came out of that water. There's a process that calls us deeper. And he says, son of man, have you seen this? He creates an an image. He creates an expectation that there is more. And then he says this, he brought me back to where I started, to the bank of the river. He brought me back. You see, God paints a prophetic picture for Ezekiel, a picture of what life in the Spirit will be like. He paints for him a prophetic call into something deeper. He creates an excitement and expectation in him, but he doesn't just put him in it. He brings him back to where he started. Folks, every promise from God, the gift of the Holy Spirit which indwells you and I is that kind of a vision. It's a call to our hearts into the deeper things of God. It tells us that there is so much more that He has for us to experience, so much more of His wisdom, so much more of His grace, His life-enabling power within us. There's so much more that He wants to do to you, but there's so much more He wants to do through you to touch the lives of others. And every time we engage with the Word of God, every time we worship Him and spend time in His presence, every time we engage with the Spirit of God, it's like there's a call to come deeper, to come closer, to draw nearer, to take another step through the waters. And I don't know if you've ever tried crossing a river. In my childhood, I swam across the mouth of the Olifants River. I'll never forget it. Because as you, it is hard work getting across a river. And you reach a point where you know, I am about to leave where my feet can stand. I'm now up to here, and I now need to swim if I want to get to the other side. And I know that if I swim straight right now, I'm going to end up 150 meters downstream because, or upstream, because right now the tide is coming in. Or if it's... If, if the tide is going out, this river is going to sweep me out to sea. But I know that there's a, there's a point where I engage. Moving through the waters takes effort. It doesn't happen automatically. I don't know about you, but I sometimes find myself standing on the banks of the river and smiling at those who are playing in the water, wishing that I could swim with them. How about you? Read books like Smith Wigglesworth's Experiences. Or you read about the old revivals that Andrew Murray did just on our doorstep here in Wellington. You read about the great revivals where the Spirit of God broke out and people pressed through and they went into the waters and they went well beyond their knees, they went well beyond their waists and they came to a place where the Spirit of God was doing something mighty among them. Well... That takes time. That takes a journey. That takes pressing in. Oh, sure, there could be a suddenly. And we live in hope for the suddenly. 
But for us to sit on the bank or to sit ankle deep and just think automatically we're going to go deeper, it's not going to happen, is it? There's a requirement for, on you and I to press in. And I want to say to you, this is not about hard works. This is not about, oh, you need to spend so much more time praying, you need to spend so much more time reading, though it may include all of those things. Can I tell you what, where the starting point is? The starting point is simply to engage. It is engaging with the Spirit of God. You see, once you take one step, you're in. You're in. The next step is much easier. And the step after that is even easier because now you have momentum. But we're engaging with the river. Siobhan, I shared with you earlier on, spoke some things on Friday, and he spoke about the power of our imagination and how God has given us our imagination so that we can see things and use it to visualize and go after his promises and the wonderful expectations that he gives us in his word. And he asked a question of us as in, in the group, and he said, what is it that you see? And I want to read to you a portion of scripture that I shared from, what I see. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 9, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. When I look across this auditorium, I see living stones. Not dead stones, not just something that you leave on the side that's going to be rubble one day. Living stones that make up the temple of God. They're alive with the Spirit of God. They're alive with potential. They may not all yet be honed into their perfect shape yet. They may not all have found the exact place where they belong yet. But as we do, and as we find our place, and as we allow God to, to hone the, our shape to fit as we should, we begin to form something and create something that is far bigger than the individual. Peter goes on to say, And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests or a holy priesthood. Do you know what the role of a priest is? It's one who ministers. It's one who serves. The priest ministers to God and he ministers to the people. Say, I am a priest. I don't expect me to call you father or mother. But you're a priest. In other words, you're a minister. You are a living stone placed in this house to minister to God and to minister to your brothers and sisters. Verse 9, listen to what it says here. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. God has chosen you. He set you in this place. You are royal priests, a holy nation. In other words, called out, set apart. You are God's very own possession. And as a result, you show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Isn't that a wonderful blessing? That as I begin to embrace my role as a priest, as a representative of God in my workplace, in my school, in my college, wherever I may be, I get to shine forth his goodness. I get to minister to them the love and the grace of God. My brother and my sister, you are called and gifted and anointed by God to be a minister. Do you realize that? Do you go out of your front door in the morning knowing that I am called, I am gifted, 
and I'm anointed. In other words, the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit is upon me to be a minister in the sphere that God has placed me. I was listening to a testimony this week of a woman who served in the British military, and she said something that really that, that stuck with me. She said, the army teaches you that you are capable of far more than you realize. It also teaches you that you're surrounded by highly capable people who have your back and are there to support you. It goes on then to train you to accomplish your purpose. And I thought to myself, wow, you couldn't describe the church any better if you tried. You see, because of God, because of the Holy Spirit within you, dear brother and sister, you are capable of far more than you realize. You are capable of far more than what is humanly possible because you carry within you something supernatural that is not subject to the limitations of humanity. Not only that, but you are surrounded with highly capable people. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are highly capable in Christ. Now turn back to that person and say, I believe it. (laughs) Turn to somebody else. Point at them and say, I've got your back. Turn to somebody else, point at them and say, I'm here for you. And together with God, we who are his people, gifted and anointed for greater things, together as a group who are there for each other and have one another's back, are being trained into, and being formed into his likeness and equipped to do the work of the kingdom. My friends, you are strategically placed by God for purpose. And my question to you this morning is, what is God speaking over your life? The same as Siobhan asked me on Friday, what is it that you see? What is the reality you are looking for in your situation, in your loved one's situation, in that colleague at work? And I want to say to you this morning, here's where I want to do things a little differently, and I'll read you one more scripture to, to encourage you. If you. Do you believe the Holy Spirit is within you this morning? Yes, you do. And if I said to you this morning, do you believe the Holy Spirit is here among us this morning because here we are gathered together in one place in His name, you would say, yes, I believe it. Here's another question for you this morning. Do you believe the Holy Spirit is able to speak through you this morning? No, Pastor, that's your job. (laughs) Do you believe the Holy Spirit is able to speak through you this morning? Do you believe that you have ears to hear what He is saying? Eyes to see what He wants you to see then I want to read to you this portion of Scripture. Last week, as we mentioned, Craig spoke about the gifts of the Spirit. That's 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 13 is famous for what? Love, that's right. We actually happened to speak about that the week before. So there's this flow of the Holy Spirit that comes in manifestations, that is the epitome and the representation of God's love. And then Paul goes on to break it down into more practical things in 
1 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I do want to read you the first five verses from the New Living Translation because he goes on to speak predominantly about the gift of prophecy. He says there is a special gift that when we come together as the people of God, we all get to partake of. And it is the most beneficial gift for the, whole, for, for the body of Christ. And he says this, let love be your highest goal. Love. So we've spoken about that. But you should also desire special abil- the, the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Let's pause for a moment. Prophesy, prophecy is a divine ability. It's a divine ability that God calls us to desire. So if I had to say to you, where are you in the waters? Some of us operate in the office of the prophetic. I've seen it work out. Others have learned to operate in the gift of the prophetic. Maybe they're waist deep or knee deep. Others of us may be standing with our ankles in the water. Our ankles are in the water because we've got the Spirit in us and we've got the Word in us. So there's the potential there. But we haven't really pressed in to speak words of prophecy or life over somebody else. Paul says, desire especially the ability to prophesy. For you have the ability, for if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God since people won't understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be mysterious. The one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. How many people around you and I today are in need of encouragement and comfort? A sense of hope, an eager expectation for good in the midst of difficult and challenging times. You see, a person who speaks in a tongue is strengthened personally, which is good, by the way. Towards the end of the same chapter, Paul says, I wish you all speak in tongues, and I speak in tongues more than you all. Why? Because he who speaks in tongues strengthens his spirit man. He edifies himself. That, that word in the Greek, I'm led to understand, means in the same way that you would plug your cell phone through the charger into the wall, and your cell phone battery would be charged up until it is at full capacity. That's what praying in the spirit does for you and for me. It charges us up. And it's good. You need that. I need that. Amen? But when we come together and I'm going to minister to somebody, if all I'm going to speak over them is tongues, I'm going to be speaking a mystery to them that they don't understand. It does them no good. It does me good, but not them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, Paul says, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. So here's what I'd like us to do this morning. We're going to break apart into little groups today. And we're going to pray for each other. I'm going to first lead us in some worship because it seems like you'll need time to prepare. And I want us this morning, we're going to, after we sing a couple of songs, we're going to break up into small groups. And you're welcome to take your chairs, you're welcome to stand, but groups of no more than four people. And we're going to pray in the Spirit together, and then we're going to prophesy over each other. And if you don't know how to prophesy over somebody's life, you pray for them. And if you don't know how to pray for them, you go and read the Scriptures over them. You find something that God promises 
and you speak it over them. And we're going to close this whole thing out by singing that song, The Lord Bless You and Keep You, the, the, the old blessing that God commanded Joshua to speak over the children of Israel. The Lord bless you and keep you and make His face shine upon you. And I want you to say this morning that as we do that, no pressure. Don't feel pressured that you need to suddenly go, Ah, say it the Lord. No. You see, sometimes, in fact, most times, the Spirit of God is a still, small voice. It's an impression. Very often when I'm in the flow, it's a picture. I see pictures. I see, and, and the picture conveys a meaning. And sometimes I don't understand the meaning. Sometimes I just convey the picture and then somebody starts crying and you don't know why. You don't know what you've just said. You don't know what you've just triggered. But you've landed something powerful and something inside them is broken. You see, folks, if we want to take steps into the river, we have to get practical. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.